Hey everybody, we're live here. Uh, getting the uh, the jitters out here. Back screen, back back screen, backstage. We we'll call it backstage. We're happy to have you here. Thank you everybody that is in the chat already checking us out. We appreciate it. Uh, this is our first session of Call of Cthulhu uh, beneath the umbral veil, as we are calling it. So we're going to go through and we're going to teach you all about, not teach you, we're going to talk to you all about our characters and uh, go from there. But first, let's get through some housekeeping stuff, which would be, this is Featherfall Tabletop, and we do have some sponsors. Uh, one of them would be Found Familiar Coffee. They uh, are great members of the community, always reaching out to artists, getting their work on these bags of coffee, uh, getting them out there and promoting them. Uh, and actually paying artists for their work, which is always a good thing. Uh, so if you want to save 10% on that order of coffee, use the link down below. There is uh, code FEATHERFALL at checkout. It's going to get you 10% off that. We also have longtime sponsor of the uh, program here. That's Skull Splitter Dice. Any dice you need, they probably got. Um, they're putting out beginner's guides for D&D 5e all the time. New videos down there. Uh, going through and dissecting some of the lore, how to build characters, all that good stuff. But on top of that, they have really good metal dice. Uh, if you haven't rolled with metal dice, you probably should sometime soon because uh, you're not going to go back. So check them out. Link down below. Again, use code FEATHERFALL at checkout to get yourself 10% off. We are also in the Roll20 Spotlight program for this uh, homebrew playthrough of Call of Cthulhu. So uh, thank them for gifting us uh, the starter set and the investigator's handbook in, uh, in Roll20. So they are sponsoring that. Uh, Roll20.net, this is how we roll. So check them out for all of your uh, virtual tabletop needs, which kind of everybody's doing right now. So it's a good place to start. Uh, we got a couple more housekeeping things here. Upcoming games, Wednesday, August 26th. Uh, we will be back with our homebrew Wild Mount campaign, Beyond Amends. Uh, stuff's kind of hitting the fan there. Uh, the party's getting run out of town. They don't know what's going on, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Discord, you can check the link down below if you want to join us in uh, any have the ability to join us in these new campaigns that are coming up, or if you want to play in the community one shot that aired last night, uh, typo, you were there. Um, cranky was there. <laughs> so if you want to get in those games, the discord link is down below. Check that out We're we share a lot of memes and just kind of, you know, hang out and have a good time. Um, so check us out down there. Uh, I haven't a fancy schedule card. I'm going to throw up on screen here. Oh man, look at that. Here's the schedule for our games. We kind of got organized a little bit. Uh, Monday, you're going to either have Star Wars or the uh, previously said Community One-Shots. Those alternate. Here, filling the Tuesday slot, you will have this Call of Cthulhu beneath the Umbral Veil. Wednesdays, you're going to have our Wild Mount, which is a 5e campaign. Every other Saturday, you're going to have the Gateway Wars, which is a homebrew 5e campaign with a very own Harvey Barrel. And then Sundays, every other Sunday, you're going to have Curse of Strahd, 5e. We're about halfway, eh, I don't want to say a percentage. You're a ways in. Uh, stuff's, stuff's picking up there. So you can check us out. We're all over the place there. But that is our schedule. Uh, we did get a couple new followers uh, off stream, which is kind of cool. So we'll throw out some, uh, some uh, thanks to them. Elena Sketches. The Dragon Queen Games and CFTRPG, thank you for the follow. We appreciate it. And since we did start the stream, uh, Flesh, thanks for the sub. 
appreciate it. <laughs> and then lovely Yeti0312, thank you for the follow. Uh, appreciate it greatly. Speaking of that, like following this channel, if uh, you're here watching us and you are, you're already enjoying yourself, so go ahead and hit that follow button. If you are watching or listening on YouTube or podcast land, come join us live on these days and hit that follow button. We are working to become Twitch partner. It is a, it's a grind. It's an uphill battle, but uh, we'd love to get there. We, we are 274 followers away from 1,000. So that's kind of the most immediate goal that we want to hit is getting us to that 1,000. As soon as we get there, we do have a, uh, a giveaway lined up. So if you'd like to you know, be in on that giveaway and help us out, hit that follow button, and uh, we'd appreciate it greatly. Just a reminder for you, those of you in chat, we have some channel points that you can use. Uh, you can spend 1,500 channel points to add a D4 to a roll. Uh, I'm going to say for Call of Cthulhu, we'll make that a D10 because this is a percentage um, uh, game. So D4 is not going to get you a whole lot where a D10 is going to help you out a little bit more. So that 1,500 points will get you a D10 added to the roll. For 2,500 points, you can have any player re-roll, so giving them uh, advantage. And let's say you had advantage, you get a re-roll advantage again. So it's kind of, you know, big time. Uh, for 3,000 points, you can give that player said advantage. And for 5,000 points, you can uh, name an, an NPC in the campaign. Um, obviously appropriate. <laughs> Appropriately named. Got through the housekeeping. Here we are. Y'all ready? <laughs> Indeed. Mm -hmm. All right. So like I said, this is session oh, yeah. zero. So we are going to, it's going to be, there's going to be some role-playing involved, but we're going to get to know these investigators uh, on, a, on a personal level. We're going to kind of see who they are, get to know them, because we want to see them slowly. <laughs> we want to know where they started before they went insane. Um, so, like I said, this is a weekly show for Featherfall Tabletop, Tuesdays, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we are using the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, just so we're all on the same page. This is kind of a, I'll throw this out there. This is a fairly new system uh, to me, and the lore is fairly new to me. Um, so, you know, take it easy in chat. We will do our best. Uh, it's going to be rules light for a while, and we'll kind of, you know, build as we go. So uh, just make sure that, you know, we're taking it easy. Um, I should say, whew, let me throw up another thing in, in the, uh, I should say to a uh, shout out to Cousin Lit. Um, you can find this artist on Twitter at at lit underscore cousin. They did the artwork for our characters um, for this campaign. Uh, you'll see the uh, got the scroll going on stream there. Great stuff. Uh, I don't I don't know what to what to say other than uh, I really appreciate uh, the the hard work that they put into these character drawings and and the feedback. Find them in our Discord. And you can find them in our Discord. Always posting stuff in the uh, shameless promotion, sharing uh, sharing their work all the time. Uh, super excited with the artwork that came out. So give them a follow on Twitch or Twitter. Talk to them in the Discord. Good stuff. So next, I thought I was done with housekeeping, but I had a whole list here. I did say this was homebrew, but we are starting with uh, the module Edge of Darkness. So those of you that have played through it or seen it played through, um, you've kind of been here before. But we are taking some liberties to weave in some homebrew things, so it could be a little bit different than any playthrough you've seen before. But we are starting there, so, and then after that we will move into the homebrew and explore some of the threads that are laid out uh, during Edge of Darkness 
and but most importantly, the backgrounds of our characters uh, as they are pushed to the limits, as they begin to peel back that umbral veil and see what is behind it. So this story, Edge of Darkness, does start, um, take place in Arkham, Massachusetts in 1923. We'll try to, our best to be era-appropriate, uh, but we'll definitely have some inconsistencies. So again, like the rules, kind of bear with us. I was reading, as I was watching some Call of Cthulhu campaigns in preparation for this, there were a bunch of comments like, well, the Empire State Building wasn't built yet. Like, okay, come on, time out. Like, relax, we'll be okay. So just bear with us, we'll, we'll get there. We're going to start off with a roll here. I, I, I prepped the players. We're going to lead with a roll because this is going to determine how you are introduced into uh, this, this scenario. They have all been prepped leading up to here that they got a letter from a, a particular friend of theirs from the past, Mr. Rupert Merriweather, uh, was calling them to come visit him in Arkham, Massachusetts, because he is on his deathbed. He is struggling with, uh, you know, towards the end of his life, and he wants to touch base with you all uh, before... He, he passes. So you are all arriving. Some of you live in Arkham. Some of you are coming from afar, and we'll get into those uh, specifics here in a minute. But you all have to arrive at the hospital at a certain time, and you are all heading to the um, it's St. Mary's uh, Teaching Hospital. It's, it's next to Miskatonic University, the uh, famous university here in Arkham. Um, this, this hospital is known for cutting edge, being on the cutting edge of new um, services and um, and um, medical procedures. So it's, it's a good place to be, maybe. <laughs> but we're going to see who arrives first. So go ahead and give me dex rolls. Lowest roll is going to win here. Oh, gosh. We all did so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and call it out for me what, what you guys rolled. 86 out of 90. Uh, oh, ouch. <laughs> it's a success, yeah, but 86, 32... Uh, 36 versus 40. 36. Teddy? Uh, 64 versus 55. Brandon, you are going to be the first that arrives here at this uh, hospital. You walk, you walk As you're walking up to it, it is a big brick building, multiple floors, from what you can tell from the outside, at least three floors above ground. Um, and you, you definitely see the, the front door. Uh, going in, and as you walk through those double doors, you do see a receptionist there. Uh, and you are here to see Mr. Rupert Merriweather. So why don't you, before you uh, interact with anything here, give us the name and profession of your character and a brief uh, description of them. So my character's name is Archimedes Lovewell, but most people just call him Archie. Um, and... You know, growing up, he, you know, he was driven to psychiatry because uh, his his mother suffered from what we would now call bipolar disorder. Um, and not only that, but he also just had a studious disposition. So he just went through university and studied that because he, he basically had had uh, that re that sort of thing really affect his family. So. But yeah, and and where Rupert um, comes into all this is that uh, he would he, he met my character met Rupert at university, and 
Okay. Ruger became kind of a mentor and a friend to him. So. Okay. Great. Yeah. Give us a uh, a, a description of kind of your build, what you look like, what you're wearing. Oh yeah. Um. Well, it's definitely not a blue T-shirt because that's not beard appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, but just a, you know, simple clean button-up shirt with vest. You know, that's usually that's his usual go-to. Um and slacks he's also really kind of like thin lanky guy kind of about six foot um not heavy set and least um kind of a regular haircut he's really not much of a uh uh fussy guy as far as like style goes he's he's much more interested in um being studious and scientific that's why he kind of entered the field he did nice yep and i I think that's about it, unless I'm missing something. No, you got it, man. Folks would like to hear. No, so as you're approaching, uh, you walk up, you do see um, a little, like, information board off to the side. You do see a receptionist. I, so can I uh, approach her and ask uh, Yeah. and start role-playing here? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's jump in. So, I, you know, uh, if, I, if I look at the, the board probably see Rupert's name somewhere or room numbers but I go up uh, to the receptionist and just uh, introduce myself. I'm Archimedes I'm looking to uh, visit Rupert Merriweather Oh, oh yes uh, yeah I believe um, you can go right up do you, do you know where he's at? I, I, I can look it up for you That would be lovely, thank you uh, Yeah, and she pulls out this big kind of ledger and starts flipping through the pages. Merriweather, Merriweather. Um, oh, here it is. He is in uh, room uh, 315. So that's going to be, you go right up these stairs, up two flights up to the third floor, and uh, room 315. So you're going to go left at the, at the top. Thank you. Um, not sure if he's taking visitors at the moment, but uh, there is seating outside that you, you can uh, definitely have a seat and wait. I will not, for sure. Great. Thank you. Great. And uh, Archie, as you're you're going up, you see this this hospital is it has like pale green tiles, and every eight or ten feet is a single light bulb that is kind of just burning in the middle of of the aisle, kind of uh, shedding light down onto the floors, reflecting that green uh, pale green back up onto the walls. It's it's very not inviting at all. Walls are are about the tile. The tile on the floor is green, you're saying? Yeah, tile on the floor is this light pale green, and that bulb okay. that shines down reflects it right back up. So it's making the white walls on, on each side of you look the spectral kind of green that is coming up and wrapping around back up to the light. And as you're walking down, you get up to the third floor. You do see a long hallway. Each room is numbered, uh, starting with 301, all the way down, you know, as far as you can see. Uh, there are chairs hard plastic chairs that are in between each of the doorways and you make your way down and certainly uh soon enough you do come up to 315 door is shut and there we're going to pause and we're going to go to kirk same thing go ahead and give me a description of your character uh, name and profession and a personal description as you are approaching into saint mary's uh, teaching hospital here muted, Kurt. Yeah, you're muted there. 
there we go. There we go. Got it. Hey, playing Lewis Holloway. Um, he's a tall, gaunt um, Londoner, and he's an investigative journalist. Um, yeah, and he's come over from London to visit uh, Mr. Merriweather. So how how do you how do you know Mr. Merriweather? How how have you so, crossed paths? We've never exactly crossed paths per se. Um, so Lewis was struggling to afford school back in London, and one day a mysterious letter came in the mail to his door. And it said, study hard. And it was just a check signed for 1,500 pounds. So he's kind of kept in contact through letter with Mr. Merriweather ever since. Great. Give me a, a, a personal description. Uh, what, do, what do you look like? What are you wearing? Okay. Um, Lewis, like I said, he's, he's, he's tall. He's 5'11". He's a little lean. He's got glasses. He's got somewhat poor eyesight. Um, he's always kind of wearing... I would say like middle class clothing, you know, simple pants and a shirt, maybe a little unkept. He's always busy. Um, and he's got a bow tie, which I want to spit this outfit <laughs> up at some point in the future. So we'll see. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, so same thing as uh, Archie before you, you walk in through, you do see the reader board on the side or uh, a little map and layout of the, the teaching hospital here. And you do see a, um, a woman sitting behind the desk. Uh, um, hello, is, is, is there a Rupert Merriweather here? Oh, yes, of course. I, I know exactly where he's at. That's, that's room 315. Um, uh, perfect. Could you point me in the direction? Yeah. Can I ask? You're not the first one that came here for Rupert. Actually, in the last 10 minutes. Uh, very, very popular guy, but uh, just you don't see that very often. <laughs> they either come all at once or... Or not at all. Um, but yeah, you're going to go up these stairs to the third floor, and you're going to take a left. And room 315 is where you'll find him. 315, yes. Um, I, again, like I told the, the last young man, don't know if he's taking visitors right now, but you can definitely sit outside. There, are, There is seating. Uh, Perfect. Do you have any newspapers? Uh, yeah, and she points uh, back behind you, like right at the entrance. Uh, there is like a, a little wire-framed newsstand. Um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the the local gazette there, the Arkham Gazette. Perfect. I'll take my way up and uh, take a seat. Great, great. Yeah, and you, I assume you go pick up one of those newspapers. Yeah. Go up the stairs. Uh, yeah, that same kind of green lit tunnel, single light bulbs every eight to ten feet, just shedding. You can definitely see like a cone of light, and then there's a brief bit of of shadow almost, and then the next cone of light drops down. You just pass through the mall, and you do see a uh, another young man sitting uh, about halfway down, I would imagine. But we're going to pause there, and it's kind of fitting that uh, <laughs> both Typo and Jason rolled last uh, because they are do have a shared background, um, and I imagine you would come together. Uh, yeah, correct so. me if I'm wrong. All right, so <laughs> and I believe you two are going to be the only locals to Arkham. Yes. Of course, which is why we're arriving last. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we'll we'll start with uh, Jason. If you want to, I imagine you you have your own car. You drove here. Yeah. Getting out of your car, approaching the the St. Mary's Teaching Hospital. G give us a brief description of of your name, profession, and what you look like. 
Sure. I am Theodore, a.k.a. Teddy Mills. Uh, I'm a federal agent. Um, I am heavy set, rather jowly. Um, definitely, uh, before he was scarred, had a face only a mother could love. And it has <laughs> since been terribly scarred. Um, so now it's now it's even worse uh, for wear. Uh, he seems to have a, a scar on the left-hand side of his face, uh, and he has a matching scar across uh, the palm of his right hand and, and lower wrist, where it looks like there was some sort of explosion or something, and he caught it, got his hand up in time to cover his eyes but not save his face. Um, he wears a suit um, and tie almost all the time, although it is a cheap suit. Uh, <laughs> he, he looks very... Um, g-man for the period um except that he also wears a bowler uh hat and this is primarily to cover his uh balding and other portions of the scar that, that go further up into his hairline um and so he he wears a hat to kind of kind of hide those great <laughs> i love it uh and how do you know mr uh, rupert merriweather how have your paths crossed uh in the past uh, Rupert and I um, have mutual membership in an organization. Um, I don't know how secretive we're, we're being about it, but uh, uh, he recommended me to the agency um, that I work for. Um, and that's he's, he kind of mentored me in and, and got me got me involved, hooked me up with with Roy at some point in the past. Nice. And that leaves us to uh, Roy. Go ahead and give us a, a name, profession, and a, a brief description of what you look like. Howdy, my name's Corduroy. <laughs> yes, it is a dumb name. I hate my dad sometimes. <laughs> uh, Roy, Corduroy hops out of probably the shotgun side of a car, and out pops a relatively short man, maybe five six, five seven corded with lean muscle and a perpetually dirty clothing. Like this is the guy, kind of guy who every single set of pants he has, has grass stains or mud caked somewhere on it. <laughs> he smells like the earth. He talks with a Southern draw. This man is unmistakably country. <laughs> Uh, some of the distinct non-country factors about him, though, are that he always wears a bandana over half of his face to hide the uh, shrapnel scarring he got from Bad Grenade. Uh, yes, we are scar buddies. That was completely <laughs> unintentional. Uh, he also always wears gloves and a large silver cross that dangles around his throat, though I can't do it. No representation here. <laughs> it's all right. Great. So you two kind of circle around the car, meet up, walking up into the same uh, steps that lead into this. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to grab a paper on my way in because I'm expecting a wait. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, you've been in these situations before. Um, and you do see the same layout of the, of the hospital. You see the same uh, receptionist there as you guys walk in. Ooh, I forgot to mention what my profession is. A bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, and how do you know? We, we kind of jumped the gun here. How do you know Rupert Merriweather? How have you crossed paths with him? I, I met Rupert back in uh, the agency. Uh, 
she took a shining to me. Um, eventually assigned me to uh, watch over Teddy Mills. So, <laughs> we've we've had a solid partnership, don't you think, Teddy? Very much so. Very much so. Oh, of course. We're, we're like two peas in a pod. <laughs> Great. So you guys do come in, and uh, Teddy, you grab a, a newspaper on your way up to the uh, reception desk. Seeing as we're from here, I'm pretty sure I know what room he's in, so I'm just going to head okay. right up to, to the room. She kind of looks up from her, you know, ledger, and like, uh, and then you just keep on going, and she's like, uh, probably here for Mr. Merriweather. Roy, do you follow? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, you guys circle up into the third floor. You see two, two figures standing at the end, um, at the end of this hallway. Same green description as before. Uh, and here's where we're going to kind of get into, now that you're all kind of in, uh, in scene, we're going to get to some of the questions and kind of get into some uh, backgrounds of you a little bit more than what we've, we've been uh, told so far. And then we'll have some time for you, to, for you four to play in the uh, <laughs> role play together here in a second. Uh, question I want to start off with uh, for all of you is, do you have any strong ideals or beliefs? And we'll start with Brandon. We'll go in the same order uh, as our dex rolls. Uh, Brandon, do you have any strong ideals or beliefs? I shouldn't say Brandon. I should say Archie. Well, it's pretty good that what matters most is just the accumulation of knowledge and making sure that um, we don't fool ourselves into believing silly things. <laughs> and that's kind of what I've devoted my life to. So, Okay, getting, getting rid nonsense. of... Getting rid of the nonsense and down to what's real. Am I speaking in character? Yeah, yeah, you are telling me about Archie okay. here. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll move over to uh, uh, Lewis. Any strong ideals or beliefs? Uh, I have a strong belief in fate. Um, everything kind of happens for a reason. And this is, you know, mostly due to the fact that uh, I received that letter out of the blue, out of nowhere, and that my life changed after that. Okay, so this might lead to the second follow-up question: Are you are you superstitious? Does that does that fate lead to superstitions or? Mm, not particularly. Uh, it, it, I mean, if I see if I see something that is might mm, bring up some superstitions, and then, then possibly, but generally, no. <laughs> Uh, and that leads us to uh, Teddy. Teddy Mills. Any um, uh, ideals, strong ideals or beliefs? Strong, strong ideals is that there is evil in the world and that it needs to be rooted out. <laughs> um, and the greatest evil can't actually be destroyed. And so our best bet is to just keep it away from the rest of the okay. world. Okay. All right. Keep, keep, keep the common man from understanding the great evils of the world. Right, so where Archie is trying to peel back and get down to what the answers are, you're more like, no, we don't need to know that. Right. <laughs> All right, that might be some uh, clashes here. What? <laughs> In Call of Cthulhu, never. <laughs> never. Uh, Roy, Corduroy, any strong ideals or beliefs? Well, as you know, I am a man of the faith. I believe in Lord Jesus and Mary and... <laughs> um, but I'm also a real anti-nihilist uh, <laughs> like 
Roy's pretty cynical in many ways, but he's also very much that, yeah, this is really terrible. Only one thing to do, but both go forward, though, so. <laughs> awesome. Uh, going back, um, Archie, do you have a significant person in your life? Somebody that means well, uh, something? Well, that would absolutely be my mother who uh, succumbed to her, uh, her illness. Um, and the illness that forced my father to leave and forced me to trek out on my own. Uh, and before perhaps I was ready, but so it goes. Um, even though she's no longer, I mean, she's with us. She exists, but she isn't with us in in, in the normal capacity that we would expect, unfortunately. But she is still super, so important. And again, a large reason why I, I pursued what I did. Nice. Also, also Rupert Merriweather. Absolutely. Of course. Sorry, I'm just adjusting your camera on stream uh, just a little bit. Um, good. Uh, moving over to uh, Lewis. Any significant person in your life? Uh, not to steal from Archie, but uh, my mother's very important to me. Um, after my father passed and I had to go work at the docks for some time to support her, she, she really kept a chin up and was there for me and I do care greatly for my father but he has passed and that time is, has gone um, I also have a, a friend that I take with me everywhere, his name's Inoki and he's a bald python, which uh, he actually traveled <laughs> with me across the pond so yeah, I, I imagine uh, TSA is not a thing <laughs> back in the 1920s. So you're able to, um, we talked about this uh, pre-stream, you were able to, uh, your, your python, your ball python is accustomed to being in your your uh, your satchel or, or side bag, whatever it is you have, and you were able to bring it in, and, and nobody's the wiser uh, <laughs> as you're rolling around with a python. I love it. Uh, good. So that leads us to uh, Teddy. Any significant people in your life? Uh, probably the most significant person is Corduroy over there. <laughs> uh, partner and, you know, drinking buddy, as it were. Um, my mother has passed, kind of estranged from my father. Uh, he's, he's out there somewhere, but we don't, we don't really speak. Um, outside of that, uh, I've got a house cat that holds down the fort while I'm not home. Yeah. Uh, what's the name? House cat have a name? It's cat. <laughs> Love it. Um, just enough to, <laughs> you appreciate him just enough. <laughs> why, why the cat? Why is that uh, a significant? Uh, it's, you know, before Roy was, you know, kind of assigned as my partner, as it, as it were, you know, the cat was kind of a, a stray that I fed accidentally by throwing trash out inappropriately that then wouldn't go away. So I eventually just let it in the house and started feeding it purposefully. Um, and so, you know, it hangs out. And I, I have the feeling that if I, if I died in the house, it's definitely going to eat me. Um, <laughs> and it's definitely one of those cats that's like three pets 
no more. Yeah. That's all I want. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, he just he just keeps the place mouse free. You know, silent silent companionship, as it were. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is not D and D, but they do have familiars. Uh, it's great. Um, <laughs> that leads us over to uh, Corduroy. Uh, any uh, significant person in your life? Pocket. No. <laughs> uh, pocket python or po- pocket weasel. Sorry. That was, um, that was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, I think. Well, oh, first off, I got a number of friends, and I care about them immensely. My my boy Teddy here is one of my favorite. Of course. <laughs> However, I also do have family. Uh, my mom, my mom, and my pa. I mean that. Now, family gets on your nerves every now and then, but I love them to death. Sometimes I want to strangle them, but, you know, that's normal. Uh, I also got a cousin that uh, works around the, t- around the area. He's currently uh, off in another country handling some business, but we grew up together, and, well, we're pretty close. Thick as thieves, you might say. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, that, that's our significant other or um, person in our life. I don't want to go that far. Um, going back to Archie, uh, what's the most meaningful location uh, in your life? Do you, have, do you have a place, like a hangout, someplace that kind of centers you as you, uh, you step inside? The only, uh, the only place for me that would really count as such would be just university i mean that's i really can't overstate how much i poured into my studies after the trauma of my childhood so that just kind of nice focused me there and how long have you how long have you been out of university well not very long okay Uh, in fact it was just last year that um that i knew rupert well and that he well he was was such an integral part of of my experience there so nice not long at all uh what as you're thinking about the university what kind of sensor senses are triggered as you are uh you know maybe getting in the headspace of the university any any sounds or smells or sights come to mind sure sure i'd oddly enough smell is a big one just um the tones and texts all of that nice. all that paper the, the just the acid and the paper breaking down nice uh it got got to those specific details that really kind of um you know gave me gave my memories something to latch on to as they formed in my mind in my mind nice so yeah and the sounds too just the echoing in the halls app you know those are those simple things yeah yeah and i imagine those those echoes of the hallway kind of uh came into your head as you were walking into this hospital, same kind of a feel yep. almost to it where, you know, long hallways. Uh, yeah, I like it. All yes, right. It's very centering. Uh, Lewis, meaningful location. I, I hearken back to a time when I'd sit at St. James Park in London and, and just sit, observe and take in the site and observe people mostly. Um, try to see what they were up to, figure out their behaviors, um, maybe take some notes for a potential story. Um, but it's nice, cool breezes, wonderful ponds, big, old, mature trees. Um, I miss it. And, and some nights when it was open, I'd go to the Radcliffe Observatory and gaze at the stars and just kind of ponder life. Nice. So are you, would you spend 
kind of a.m. in the park and then p.m. in the observatory? When I had time, yes. Nice. Uh, yeah, same question. What kind of senses come out as you're in those two different locations? What, what are you feeling? Oh, well, when I'm at the park, like I said, the, the breezes and the cool air and um, the sounds of people talking is very calming. It's something I'm used to as a journalist, just listening to people. Um, and at the observatory, the silence of the place is, nice. is really calming. I, I like the, the contrast there, like the bustling talking and, you know, uh, general maybe joy that is being had out in the park. And then, you know, that the quiet time there in the evening. Right. That's nice. Um, Teddy? Uh, so my mother's grave is one here in town. Uh, I like to visit when I'm having moral quandaries, kind of kind of talk to her and just ask her opinion on things. Uh, you know, my routinely annual visit to freshen up the flowers uh, at the site. Um, but beyond that, um, my other probably big location that I would spend a lot of time is Aunt Lucy's. It's a local little greasy spoon. Uh, I like it primarily because Lucy treats the everybody the exact same, which is shitty. <laughs> and the people there mind their own business. So you can have a conversation at a table without having to worry about much in the way of eavesdroppers. Um, also, you have to order at the counter. So there's no waitress to come and bother you every five minutes about what you need. If you need something, you get up, you go to the counter, you get it, you come back and sit down. Nice. Um, and so he, he appreciates this. He, he is probably in Lucy's for at least one meal every day that he's in town <laughs> um, because he is, he is not a man that cooks. <laughs> awesome. What, what is the, the meal, the go-to? Uh, uh, fried chicken. Fried hands, chicken. Hands down, yeah, fried, fried chicken. Yeah. The place probably smells like cigarette smoke and old, you know, fryers that yeah. need their grease changed. Yeah. That, you know, it's not the greatest food in the world, and that's not why Teddy eats here. I, I eat here because of the atmosphere, yeah. not the food. Definitely stale oil in the air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what What's a, a side dish? So you get your fried chicken and? Oh, it's mashed potatoes. Yeah. Or Easy. rice. Gravy. Gravy on whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, All and you can you can see in the gravy there's little, little flecks of uh, – cast iron that is coming off of the pan that they, right. they yeah. get the mix the roux up in to uh, thicken the gravy and it's got a little black you it would if you're new to to aunt lucy's it would be it looks like pepper but you know better it's a little cast iron i like that uh corduroy meaningful location well frank you know what they say there's just no place like home oh uh, i every now and then i just Harken back to the when I was growing up in my village. I mean, it was a little boring at times, but there's just a feel about it that you can't quite find anywhere else. I remember old lady Miriam staring at us with her unblinking eyes when we were out playing, ever vigilant. I mean, seriously, never blinking. And I, I remember uh, Miss Gertrude. She made the most wonderful meat pies whenever travelers came around, or at least when they left. And it was just... It was, it was a quiet hovel, off in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, it was my home. It was comfortable. This whole city life, I mean, I, I chose to leave on my own, but some days, some days I miss it. Nice. 
Uh, yeah, what kind of what, what kind of senses come over you when you when you're back there? You know, warm that warm fuzzy feeling. Generally, comfort in uh, security. Also, just like lots of fun days uh playing detective with my cousin, running around the town trying to figure out some of the mysteries and the, the folklore of the place. You know, we never found anything, of course. Well. <laughs> never it's not important right now. Never found anything when we were kids. <laughs> nice. All right, going back, we're moving over back to uh, Archie. What is a treasure treasured possession of yours? It's not. I don't. I don't say. Not the sentimental kind. I'm afraid. And, you know, I have my notes and books, but I have my, you know, things from childhood and things from home. A teddy bear. I kept that for a while, um, but no, I, I don't. Uh, I don't find the need to keep All that right. sort of a, those sorts of attachments. I let that go. Okay. It, is it, is it because you like anti clutter? It, it, it suits me. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, anti clutter, but also it. Um, I'm very much looking to set a troubling past behind me, and much of what I have is connected. Or which, much of what I had, rather, was connected to that. So All right. best to just leave it behind. Okay. All right. For the moment. For the moment. Are you worried about losing something? Like if you had a treasured item and, and are you worried about what it would be like if you lost it? I mean, I suppose just the regular things that I have lying around. All right. um, but nothing that, nothing that really... Nothing that really sticks out. Nice. I'm just not that way. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, if you don't keep anything, I can't take anything from you, right? <laughs> moving over. <laughs> uh, moving over to Lewis. Uh, do you have any uh, treasured possessions? Uh, I, I do. Um, my snake is a pet and a possession. Love him. Dear to my heart. Um, I also keep broken pocket watch from my father with a raven engraved on the front um i wear it like it would it would normally would be in my uh, breast pocket mm -hmm. um and i also have my very favorite pencil that i brought with me the uh, ever sharp wall it's a silver plated pencil love it um uh, it's where i take all my notes during uh stories so keep, nice. keep them all with me close uh what what would happen if you lost that pocket watch uh, I'd be devastated. I think it's the, it's the only memento I brought from London that reminds me of my father. Okay. <laughs> uh, Wolf, Wolf in chat is kind of, he's getting on <laughs> my scheme here. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of one of the last possessions you have or memories, constant reminder of your father? Yes. All right. Like it. Good. Noted. <laughs> yeah. Teddy, what about you? Treasured uh, possession. So I guess my cat kind of falls in a treasured <laughs> possession. Um, I'd be upset one day if I came home and he wasn't there. I don't know how long it would take me to get over it, but there would, would definitely be a moment of panic of where's the cat um, and what am I going to do with all of this cat food? Um, <laughs> but beyond that, um, I also have what I refer to as my burn files. Um, <laughs> From my time with both the agency and the feds, um, anything that I deemed 
or the agency deemed better to be kept out of my superior's hands, as it were, were things that were too close to the truth or maybe held little actual nuggets of the truth. Um, I basically swept under the rug and I have brought all those files home and they hang out in a file, a fire safe uh, in my closet, um, mainly to never be touched ever again. <laughs> um, unless some new case comes across my desk, in which case I need to reference gotcha. previous case files. Which files or cat, which one would be more devastating to lose? The files, files. definitely the files. <laughs> I, w I can get a new cat gotcha. probably on accident. Uh, the, the files I would, I would really, it, it would probably bring my whole life to an immediate halt until I found out what happened to them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, noted. Um, <laughs> moving over to Corduroy. Any treasured possessions? Well, Corduroy turns to look at the closet that is the entire, this small, like, closet that is the entirety of all of his possessions. Hmm. Well, I guess if I had to say a, fa a favorite possession, it would either be my cross or it would be he pulls out a sawed-off shotgun. My Ithaca model, a hammerless, 10-gauge, <laughs> double-trigger, uh, sawed-off shotgun. It's about 12, foot, 12 inches in length, oh, and it has a pistol grip. For convenience. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, what would come, what, how would you feel if you lost either one of those? Pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just fuck off. I had to get this one custom-made here. All right. What would what would that look like in you trying to find it? Is um, no matter what's in your way, uh, nothing's getting in your way. Maybe. Well, I, I don't know about nothing getting in my way. I think I can think of a few things that might get in my way, but I mean, well, they wouldn't get in my way if I had the shotgun. Shit. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, I have like a, a really nice question to ask next that is just kind of fun i almost wanted to skip it but i think i think we need this from our investigators here um moving back to uh archie what do you do to relax like what is your kind of downtime uh clearing of your headspace a hobby maybe what what do you do i like to draw actually i like um, you know i've been i've been keeping up with a lot of the new trends in Okay. I just love the idea of doing something abstract and expressionist, and I just find it really uh, freeing um, from all of the the because though I though I do appreciate my studies and I, I you know that's that's my home so to speak. It is liberating to go outside of that and do something um, just out of that wheelhouse okay. as a way to relax. All right, I dig um, it. Yeah, and would it be all right? Uh, I was going to say, would it be all right if I changed my earlier answer? <laughs> no, it's canon. I think it's, um, <laughs> no, no change. No, you can. Yes, Dang you could definitely change it. Dang it. What, what, what would you like to change there, Archie? Okay. The treasured items, because everyone has one. Yeah. What do you got? Um, this would be a, well, this would be a journal and fountain pen that were some of the first things I bought for myself when I set out 
nice. on my own. And this is a very nice etched leather bound journal. Um, you know, the pages were bound by hand. Of course, everything was made by hand, but just with exceptional care. Um, and that's just, again, when I'm talking about art being is an escape from what I normally do in my normal headspace. Okay. Um, being being in this journal is the same way for me, just in a, in a capacity. So nice. losing that would be awful because that's a repository for, for thoughts and feelings. And those aren't cheap. Um, and I'm not going to, I don't feel like something that important should, should stick to a cheap pulp as it were. Gotcha. If that makes sense. So do you, cl- do you keep your clinical, do you keep your clinical notes in the same journal as your, your drawings? Oh no, those go on just more regular ish or standard paper. Okay. No, this, gotcha. this extra nice material gotcha. is just for me. Gotcha. For me. Love it. Um, moving over to uh, uh, Lewis. What do you do to relax? Uh, back in London, I favored time hiking. Um, the rolling hills outside of London are beautiful, and I take time alone just to get out and see the countryside. And I'm very excited to be over here in America where there's some actual mountains to hike <laughs> and climb. Hmm. Yeah, you've, you've probably heard a... Yeah. I don't know if again. Here's here's where we may get into some uh, some issues. But you've heard of the Appalachian Trail, kind of on that that eastern side of the America, and uh, yeah, it might have your your interest peaked a little bit. I like it. Uh, so, do you do this often? Is it a weekly thing or uh... Uh, weekly? Yeah. Okay, uh, it's my main form of exercise outside of just walking around town. Nice. Love it. Uh, moving over to Teddy. Any anything you do to relax? Hobby? Teddy breaks the law <laughs> regularly. <laughs> when he's not at Aunt Lucy's in the evenings, he can be found in a speakeasy somewhere, <laughs> enjoying illegal gin. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's one thing we will stick to. Time period is yeah. Alcohol is uh, forbidden. Uh, so good. How did you how did you come to that activity? Like. Uh, not just breaking the law, but, uh, not just drinking, but this idea of wanting to break the law. Well, I think it was less about wanting to break the law and just feeling that this particular law was irrelevant and unnecessary. Teddy was drinking before prohibition. It's it's a fairly new law in his mind. You know, it's only been enacted in what the last three or four years. Um, so, uh, as someone who drank Prior to prohibition, it was really just a matter of, well, I'm, I'm not going to stop just, <laughs> just because that's the rule. Um, and seeing as he he works with um, the the feds, as it were, uh, finding a speakeasy is is not a difficult task, nor is getting himself uh, a bartender, as it were, while in the establishment. Yeah. Uh, it is probably unlikely um, or very likely that more members of the federal force all visit <laughs> some of the same speakeasies uh, for their routine gin. Um, and the, uh, you know, I don't want to say he, he he's, he's not mobsterish in the sure would be a shame if, um, but he doesn't make any bones about the fact that he is a federal agent while he's, <laughs> he's there. So, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, 
Uh, Corduroy, any uh, hobbies? What do you What do you do on your downtime? Well, to be completely honest, I'm probably right there next to him drinking. <laughs> totally. Yeah, uh, I start if where I started my habit. Well, when I joined the police force back in the day, me and the boys would occasionally go down and get a uh, get a pint. Uh-oh. Uh That habit hasn't. Well, there we go. We lost yeah. uh, Kirk there for a second. Uh, you are now in typo spot. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and you're in my spot and that's okay. Uh, so we'll pause there for a second. Looks like he's coming back on. Okay. Go, go ahead. Typo. You can, uh, uh finish your, don't know what happened, so, but yeah. we're back. Well, back in the old days, uh, when I was working on the force, I would generally go and, you know, have a pint with the boys and, uh, that hasn't changed much. <laughs> I mean, sure. It's illegal now. And technically I was once an officer of the law and like, I'm pretty sure they're still drinking <laughs> over there too, so I ain't gonna stop. Oh, but uh, when I'm not drinking to relax, I'm generally just lounging around, much like a cat. <laughs> and that's what Teddy loves about you so much. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. I think we're that's that's it for the open uh, questions like this. We're we're gonna get into a game of Never Have I Ever, but I do want to pause for a second and uh, kind of you know shake it out a little bit and say, hey, everybody in chat, thank you for being here and listening to us talk about this. And thank you, Cosmic Dice, the podcast for the follow just now. Uh, good time to follow. Uh, I should say, if you are in the in the chat and you haven't hit that follow button, please do. Uh, that way you know when we go live. That way you can help us get to 1,000 followers. We are one follower closer. Um, also, we will have channel points coming in to play as we get into the actual game. Again, this is session zero where we are uh, learning about these investigators. All right, we're going to get into some uh, never have I ever. So you're going to raise your hand if you never have done these things, and we're going to uh, point and laugh at you and ridicule you. Uh, no, we won't do those things. But we will kind of lead into some uh, quick, this is going to be more a little quick fire conversation uh, about whether you have done this or haven't done this. So the first one is never have I, and I should say, before I get into this, I did steal this from Will from Encounter Roleplay. He did it with, for his Call of Cthulhu campaign. Uh, I thought it was rather fun, so I am doing it. I did not come up with this idea. I am definitely stealing it. Uh, so thank you, Encounter Roleplay. So never have I ever stolen something. So if you've never stolen something, go ahead and raise your hand. The one who breaks the law doesn't steal. Nice. So Teddy, go ahead and uh, tell me about that. Why? Why haven't you stolen something? Never felt it was necessary. All right. You know, uh, he's he didn't come from wealth, but, uh, you know, his mother and father did instill a work ethic in him. And if you want something, you you work for it and you pay for it. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, Lewis, you you haven't stolen anything either. Uh, No, I tend to find myself to be a generally generous person. Uh, Try to, you know, good all towards everyone. wouldn't want to steal from the common man either, so <laughs> no, just good, good boy over here. All right, nice. Uh, Archie, same thing. Never, never stolen anything. No, no. Uh, there's also an element of pride. I mean, I'm a hardworking guy. I can good. get whatever I need. Good. Honestly. So that leaves Roy, uh, the only one who didn't raise their hand. Uh, what, what did you steal? guys are like not knowing you're raising your hand making the ex-police officer look like the bad guy here uh well i mean i don't 
I don't know if I'd call it stealing per se, but I've definitely been known to uh, commandeer some goods in order to uh, com complete a mission. Right? I'm, I mean, I'm, shit, I've done worse than steal shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll leave that there. We'll, we'll save some of that for uh, to come out later. Um, so good. You're the, you're the, the rogue in the group. Uh, <laughs> so next, never have I ever. Never have I ever had stitches... Or had a scar. <laughs> I know. So this, if you do, have never had stitches or you don't really have any uh, huge scars. Wow. All, so everybody's had at least stitches. So raise your hand if you've had stitches. Let's see them. All right, everybody. Uh, and we know, too, the characters have very um, prominent scars. Uh Lewis, what, what was your, your stitches from? Uh, so after my father passed away and I had to take work up at the docks, uh, one day as we were bringing in some cargo, there was a box full of something I wasn't quite sure of, tripped over and took a piece of metal at the bottom of my leg and got a couple stitches down there. Uh, hurt quite a bit, but doing fine now. Walking's still okay, so that's, that's good. All right. Easy, easy to cover up. Okay, I like it. All right, next one. Never have I ever betrayed someone. Never have I ever betrayed someone. So you're going to raise your hand if you've never betrayed anybody. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Carteray. Let's start with you. Who'd you betray? Uh, I don't know if he's intentionally... I have to leave it to a 50-50 of whether he's betrayed someone or not. His job has maybe required him to do it, but at the same right. time, I, he wouldn't want to. Okay. But so if someone were to say, go too far. You know what? It's not that he has betrayed them. They have betrayed the organization, and he needed to escort them to the next life. Gotcha. Well, that leads us into my next never have I ever. Never have I ever taken a life... Or we can go less extreme here. Gotten in a fight, so let's start with take, let's start with taking a life. If you've never taken a life, raise your hand. I'm never going to get to raise my hand, am I? All right. What about gotten in a fight? Can Archie and Lewis? <laughs> Archie and Lewis, have you gotten in a fight? Maybe schoolyard. Maybe maybe, maybe a few pub brawls. Okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, nothing really serious. All right. Archie, what about you? In the, in the street count, because that's what happened to me. Yeah, if you fought back, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, well, they don't, I'm, folks here don't seem to take too kindly to uh, a, a studious-looking gentleman minding his own business, apparently. Um, <laughs> gotcha. I lost a good couple of books in that scuffle, but... <laughs> And they are not cheap. Yeah. No books. Oh, damn so. books. <laughs> All right. And we'll, we'll kind of leave uh, some... I have, the, I have the dignity of saying I fought back a little bit. Good. Good. It might come in handy later. Uh, we'll leave the, the, the mysterious taking of a life under wraps here for uh, <laughs> our two agents uh, for right now. <laughs> Next one. Never have I ever imbibed in an illegal drug... Alcohol is included. Never have I ever imbibed in illegal drugs. Alcohol included. So if you've never, if you're, you're straight-laced, teetotaler, 
Uh, never. Ooh, all right. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> well, we heard from Teddy and from uh, Roy. They, they kind of uh, hit up the speakeasies. Um, Lewis, what, what do we got going? I can't say no to a good London dry gin, can you? Um, all right. Find it. You find it some places in, in, in London. Uh, particularly, I used to go to a place called the Nightjar. Uh, get a few drinks. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't say no to a few psychedelics if they were around. All right. Um, is have you taken any psychedelics, or you just have it on your, like it's if you, if mind. I were offered, I would. There's, there's okay. All right. All right, I like it. Uh, Archie, what about you? Well, I guess there's a few good things that I heard from my father um, was my propensity for these sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you should mention tea, um, because if I happen to be by myself, you know, at home, I do enjoy uh, pouring in a little scotch with my tea. Uh, but uh, I too, as many have, many of you have apparently, uh, gone to a speakeasy myself. All right. And uh, a good pint or two is all right. And you know, you know, um, what were they called in the twenties? I should know this. Hash, or just cannabis of some kind. I once, only once, but um, it was all right. Yeah. I mean, cocaine is. It was all right. I believe, <laughs> rather prevalent uh, sure you can just get that at the drugstore yeah that's kind of over so, the counter so that's not illegal so yeah we're all we're all coked out um but we can't heroin's a name brand sir <laughs> all right all right we haven't done any hard drugs okay then i can raise my hand all right let's get serious here never have i ever been in love if you've never been in love raise your hand Ah, I got Roy to raise his hand at least once. Oh, Teddy, what's going on, man? Teddy has been big and ugly for the majority of his life. Uh, never found the attentions of, of women easy to come by. Uh, and as soon as he got old enough to, to actually be involved in working or his education, uh, that's where all of his energy and focus went, was first in education, then it was into his, his job with the feds, and now it's with the agency. All right. Uh, he didn't have time for – he's got a cat. That's, <laughs> that's enough. Uh, Lewis, why? I, I think it's uh, – I have a hard time speaking to women outside of uh, being professional. If it's not for a story, I think I struggle a little bit. The nerves get to me, and I just can't, I can't do it. I, I've, I've tried – to fall in love um, <laughs> just quite haven't found it yet i suppose all right soon soon lewis <laughs> <laughs> all right last one last never have i ever never have i ever witnessed something out of the ordinary magical or occult never have i ever witnessed something out of the ordinary magical or occult so if you've never witnessed those go ahead and raise your hand 
All right. It's a 50-50. Um, I think with the agency <laughs> kind of in the middle, not sure. Um, Teddy, you revealed earlier that you've kind of seen some of that. You have some files and you're, you're into pushing it into the back of uh, the closet, so to say. Uh, what, right. Teddy, what exactly did you see? Do you know? Um, the most, the, the thing that I witnessed personally um, was, for lack of a better term, uh, Teddy just refers to it as the spontaneous human combustion event. <laughs> um, it's what left him scarred. Um, he was uh, tailing a suspect uh, in an attempt to apprehend and question. Uh, and then they just exploded into a huge ball of fire, leaving nothing behind but a smoldering shoe. Um, and Teddy doesn't have a non-irrational explanation for how that occurred. Like, there's no... He's He's gone through all of the science. Yeah. Like, this is kind of his job, investigative stuff. And he can't put together any normal string of events that would have you know, cause that to happen. Nice. Mm. Is this event something you bring up easily in conversation or do you keep this close to the vest? Uh, it's usually pretty close to the vest. Uh, he's probably talked to Roy about it a time or two, uh, particularly under the influence. Um, <laughs> but it, if it's definitely one of those things that if someone's like, well, where'd you get those scars? Uh, he's, he's not like, well, you know, there was a man that exploded yeah. on fire with no, all right. Uh, yeah, he's he's not going out of his way to, to tell that story nice. to folks. So you pr so. you probably have a few canned uh, right. excuses fire, for this. Mom spilled yeah. boiling water on me when I was a baby. You, the, you know. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Roy, you were you were fifty fifty on whether you've seen something I, out of the ordinary. I had to change that. Uh, it's an absolute yes. Okay. Roy has seen the ordinary. I was thinking. Has Roy seen a proper? Has Roy had a proper encounter with a monster? That's a fifty fifty. Um, but, uh, something interesting, Teddy, uh, you probably would have another, uh, encounter of the supernatural, um, in the form of, you probably know why Roy wears gloves all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go any further detail on it <laughs> all right. uh, at the moment, all right. but it's good to yeah. keep things. Um, as for the things that Roy's seen, um, his job has required him to be near the occasional supernatural incident. And even though he has not directly interacted with many of the uh, incidents, you know, when you're close by enough, sometimes phenomena happen. You know, shadows look a little yeah. longer than they should be. That's gotcha. All right. I like it. And for Lewis and Archie, we'll change that real quick. You'll be able to... Uh... <laughs> Keep that hand down next time. <laughs> Get those sanity rolls ready. Yeah. All right. So that that's it for our, the questions that I had uh, to kind of figure out a little bit more about our investigators. We're going to cut back into scene now and get uh, put on our role-playing hats here. And um, Archie, you are sitting um, in, in one of the chairs across the door of uh, 315. And out of the corner of your eye, you see... Um, another man walking down the hallway. That would be uh, you, Lewis. Uh, you two are now converging. And you can clearly see that he's sitting across from 315, the room that you are coming up to see. 
I practically pop out from behind Teddy's girth and was like, "Howdy!" Not you, Roy. You're not there yet. We're <laughs> we'll get there. This is. You said Lewis. Yeah, this is uh, Archie I... sitting. Lewis is coming. Lewis is coming. Sorry, I, I, I was out for like thirty seconds. I had no idea what happened. But <laughs> I heard no audio. Walking up towards me. Oh, in okay. And you're and you're sitting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I say to you. Are you here for Mr. Merriweather? Uh, I I am. Uh, I, are you? And then I look back to the door and I say, it would appear so. Hmm. Uh, Kilia, well, are we, are we, are we waiting? Can we go in? I'd, I'd like to see him as soon as possible. We knocked, um, but then a nurse walked by and told me to wait, so. Ah, well, then, so uh, I think, I, so I'm, I'm, but you feel free. I motion at the door. Feel free. Uh, yeah. Can knock, I get the, the door knock and see what happens? Uh, yeah. As you get up to reach for the handle, the door actually opens before you get there, and out walks a um, what you would assume is a doctor wearing the white robes and clipboard in hand. Oh, excuse me. Uh, you're here for Mr. Merriweather. Uh, I I am. Is, um, is he in there? Yeah. He's, uh, oh, good. Uh, yeah, he's not doing too, not doing too great, and he kind of glances down at his notes a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, you might want to give him a minute or two. They're kind of, you know, uh, his wife and son are in there, and they're having a time together. So maybe uh, hold off just a minute. I, I'll respect that. Yes. And um, he, okay. He continues out the door, closes it behind him, and heads down uh, towards uh, Teddy and Roy that are coming up the uh down the hallway as well and you see you you two can see that interaction and uh, looking ahead you're kind of counting the doors a little bit you can tell that's that's uh 315 are there any more open chairs down there or are all the seats full up um across from 315 or next to 315 yeah there's they're they're in banks of three so in between each door there are about three Sometimes four if they can squeeze it in, but it's mostly three hard plastic chairs. Uh, right now, I don't know if uh, Archie stood up, but he was the only one seated. So there, there are some that you can see. Yeah, no, I, I, st- I stood up. Okay. So then, yeah, there's three open chairs. I'm just gonna go and sit down uh, in one of the chairs and pull my paper out and begin reading. The paper. <laughs> All right, uh, Roy, you're you are with him. Um, what are you I doing? I know behind him. Howdy, fellers. Oh, um, hello. Are, are you here to see Rupert as well? Absolutely, I'm here to see the old dog. Friend. Oh yeah, a, a friend of a few years. What about you? Uh, uh, Y'all know him long? Known him for some time, four or five years now. Uh, he's been a good good pin pal over the years, and uh, he told me to come visit, so I, I, I took the boat ride over. Oh, oh, you're from you're from one of those foreign countries. Which which one? Yes, from a, from a foreign one. Yes, I'm from London, <laughs> England, across the Everybody pond. Everybody knows America is the only country that exists. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love okay. oh, London. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Terrible food, but nice place. Terrible food. Are you oh, just yeah, respecting my home country's food. Absolutely. <laughs> Have you had fish and chips, sir? He, give, he gives you a broad smile at that. 
Oh, I see. We're just we're just playing games, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, your your food your food's terrible too. Okay. Mm-hmm. As I know, <laughs> as you two are kind of having this conversation, and Teddy's seated, uh, Archie, you're kind of on looking down the hallway, actually in front of you, uh, Roy. You can see a couple orderlies pushing a um, uh, a, a bed cart with a a body that is draped and they are running towards you and you hear one of the orderlies, ah, oh, get out of the way, please. Out of the way. And they're they're trying to get past you. Holy. Okay, what what was hey, that? Yeah, so you guys kind of move out of the way and then come rushing by and they kind of turn a corner and out of your sight. Um at this you do hear you do hear um inside the room now you hear some uh, kind of big inhales of breath and some, some uh, heavy sobs. And uh, then you hear the door begin to open. And you see a, uh, a 30, 30 uh, in his 30s, you see uh, a, a man. He definitely has some of the characteristics of Rupert, some of the, you know, the same jawline, nose, ears, and such. You can tell it's definitely a relation. Uh, but he's definitely a little more uh, weasel-like. Um, he's got kind of, it's more <laughs> pointed, pointed features. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, he's got eyes about him that just don't seem right. And he, he pops his head out. Uh, y- y- you must be the four my father sent for. Indeed. That's true. Yes, sir. Um, I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess it's time for you to come in and. He wants to talk to you all. He he said you'd be here. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. Mom is definitely not in a place for uh, for guests, but father insists on it. Um, so I guess come in. Thank you, sir. And he kind of your your father your father's a great man. I have nothing but the highest respect for him. And I like I like reach out to hold his hand, like you know, feel uh, me. He, he begins to reach out his hand like going to shake, but you are definitely coming in for like a comfort, and it's this kind of weird, awkward moment for a second. Uh, uh, no need, no need. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, just come on in, come on in. Uh, and he, he steps aside, holds the door open, and he kind of, with his other hand, pulls back the curtain that is closed off in there. And, and as that curtain pulls back, you see a, uh, an aged woman sitting next to uh, Rupert Merriweather, in one of those same hard plastic chairs that are in the hallway, kind of eyes really red, uh, handkerchief up at her face, kind of wiping both tears and and snot as it's coming out. And she's very um, distraught uh, seeing her husband like this. You see Rupert, and some of you haven't seen him for a long time or ever seen him. Um, And you you see a man that is very gaunt, very pale, um, and, and definitely looking rough. Same kind of red reddish around the eyes and around the mouth uh, and kind of uh, almost struggling to, to inhale. Um, and, and you guys begin to walk in. Uh, uh, there you are, all of you. Uh, come in, sit, sit. And he, he tries to sit up. And, and quickly, his wife, Agnes, goes and, and kind of puts her hand on his, on his shoulder and keeps him down. Yeah, yeah, so okay. I'll, I'll stay. Come in, come in. 
There are a few chairs around the outside, but not enough for everybody to sit. I'll, I'll, stand. I'll stand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Royal stand. Bertrand, his son, comes in and sits, um, takes one of the seats in the corner, and he's kind of staring out the uh, the window mostly. If you catch, try to catch eyes with him, he's not really making any contact. Uh, well, Teddy and Roy, how was the drive? Fair enough. It's been too... Much better than I did it. <laughs> he tries to laugh a little bit. <coughs> and some, like, greenish bile comes kind of spilling out, and his wife quickly grabs her handkerchief and wipes it up. <laughs> be, be gentle, dear. Don't You can't laugh right now. Oh. Archie. Rupert. It's been a while. It's so good to see you. How was, how was your travel? Oh, easy. Good, good. Very easy. Good. Ah, uh, and then we have Louis. <coughs> uh, Rupert, it's uh, so nice to finally see you. I, I, it's just uh, very unfortunate that we have to meet under these circumstances. It's been, you've been uh, a good friend. I, I definitely would have hoped you made it over here or I made it there before this moment. But I'm, I'm glad you are here. Good see to see you. you. Good to see you finally. And you can tell he's he's really struggling now. Like just those few sentences of uh, kind of like are starting to drain him. Um, I'm uh, go ahead, Roy. Roy will also give a, um just a probably customary like imaginary tip of the hat to the uh, the wife because given that they've lived in the same area, I imagine he's probably seen her too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, she she comes out every now and then, you know, picks up groceries, gets food. Uh, you definitely, I'm I'm sure you two keep in contact, uh, you know, regularly. So yeah, she definitely recognizes both of you. Um, uh, but really, just like staring at Rupert on the bed, um, and he goes, um, Agnes and Bertrand, if you could please uh, leave the room for a minute and let me let me talk to these four uh, gentlemen. That would be that would be great. Uh, and Agnes like takes his hand and kind of pats the the back side of it, the back side of his palm. <sighs> stay stay in bed and don't don't talk too much. And she she then looks up to the four of you. Don't don't let him go into one of his stories, okay? Just oh, keep it short, please. And he, she looks back at Rupert and she begins to walk out and. And uh, Bertrand kind of catches her, and they meet at that same point, and he's kind of consoling his mom, not saying anything, but uh, they do leave the room and close the door. Oh. They've been at my side all day. Didn't think they'd ever leave. I anyway. say, sir, you look like shit. <laughs> and he coughs a little bit more, and you can see that's the same green uh, bile start to kind of come out the corner of his mouth. Um, I'll get a handkerchief out and kind of take up Agnes's role and, you know, <laughs> blot the side of his mouth uh, there. Uh, he tries to bring his hand up to kind of console yours. Oh, th thank you, Teddy. Oh, oh any, anyway. 
Yeah, go ahead. Rupert, what's wrong? Uh, what, what, do they know what's wrong with you? Oh, uh, these damn doctors, they can't... I don't know, they say this is a hospital of the teaching, but they haven't learned anything. They, uh, they can't say, and he'll, at that, he'll, he'll pull up his, he'll pull down his, uh, the blanket that is on top of him and pull aside his, his like, uh, nightgown. And as he does that, you see what looks to be, uh, like, when bread begins to mold, you see that starting to, like, almost his whole torso is just covered. It's this furry greenish kind of stuff, and it's starting to go down his limbs. You can't really see too much of it uh, there, but it is creeping up to his neck now that he's kind of pulling it all away. Uh, they, yeah, they don't have any idea what this could be. Uh, some kind of uh, fungal infection that's gotten into my lungs, I think. You were an entire fungus. <laughs> what is going on? I don't know, son. I, I wish I did. Uh, this uh, They're doing labs and, and, and studies. But I'm just glad you all, all came here. I have a, a favor to ask of all four of you, and I, I chose you you four because I knew you'd be up to the task uh, uh, taking care of this for me. It's, it's something that has to be done. Uh, because I am going to die, and it has to be done shortly thereafter. So, if you wouldn't mind, um, I know my wife said no stories, but I got one last story to tell you. Um, in, my, in my youth, I and some uh, fellow students became involved in what we believed to be an innocent exploration of the occult led by a slightly older man named Marion Allen. The six of us, there were six in total, we all purchased an old farmhouse a few miles west of Arkham, near the village of Ross's Corners. There we could conduct seances and other physical research in privacy. <laughs> uh, it was a place for us to be. Uh, alas, our work had unforeseen results. Our last experiment summoned an evil force into this world. Uh, don't roll your eyes. Uh, I see it. It's okay. It's, this exists. Our last experiment summoned this evil force. Instead of uh, attempting to expel this thing from this world, uh... We were afraid the abandoned old house, confident that the, we were afraid and we, we left this place. Uh, we left this house confident that the magic that brought the evil into this world would also keep it confined in the vacant house or, or at least send it back after a short time. However, I have since discovered that the spell binds the entity to the house lasts only long as the casters live. And unfortunately, I'm the last of the group, and I fear that upon my death, the thing will go free and wreak havoc on the folks thereabouts. I am too old and too ill and too much a coward to go back to that house and try to banish the entity myself. As you can see, I can't even get out of this bed. <sighs> Gentlemen, I am guilty of many things, but my deepest sin was... <laughs> 
unleashing that horror that fateful night. I'm convinced the entity will escape its confinement on my death, which unfortunately is very soon. Roy, if you could pick up that, and he kind of picks up his hand a little bit and points to the back, it's like a back uh, a dresser behind you, and there's a, a, a tin box on there. Take that box right there, Roy. <coughs> Bring it here. Roy Roy does. Much of the mirth that Roy generally has has left his face as he walks over to the case and picks it up, brings it over, and places it before uh, the man. Thank you. Thank you. All the aid I can offer you lies within this box. You have to find the courage to send that thing back where it came from. You must see that this is done. Do this for me, please. <laughs> and as he gets those last words out of his mouth, out of his airway, uh, you, you see some more of that green bile start to come out. And he begins coughing uncontrollably. <laughs> and he starts to spasm and almost like he can't breathe. And that greenish bile begins to pour and pour and pour out of his mouth. Until uh, Roy... Roy suddenly turns around, runs to the doorway, okay. and uh, opens it to try to find the, the wife and uh, son, or a doctor. <laughs> um, uh, or, if you have your, your character sheet open, you can mm -hmm. give me a luck roll. Okay. Um, and that, uh, so uh, you want to get under your score, whatever your, your percentage points are for the, the luck roll. And if, if you succeed, there will be a doctor out there, but if not, there will not be. Okay. 40 out of 60. All right. So, yes, you do see that same doctor uh, that passed you in the hall is now making his rounds back. You see Agnes and Bertrand sitting on those same hard chairs across the way. What's everybody else doing as he's, he's really struggling here? I, I, I think uh, that Lewis is probably a little weak at the knees right now. He's not super used to a hospital setting at all and very comfortable and does not believe really what's going on at the moment. Okay. So maybe he takes a seat and just kind of tries to deep, right. take some deep breaths. Teddy? Uh, Teddy's going to collect the box from uh, the, the bed there. Okay. Um, just to keep it out of the doctor's way uh, as he's certain that the doctor is on the way the way in. Okay. Um, and also to kind of... Uh, he. He fold. How big is the box? It's uh, yay big, bigger than yeah, a shoe box, it. but it's probably uh, you know twelve by twelve ish. He folds his newspaper around it and tucks it under his arm. Okay. Yeah, and as I, I imagine, you got to kind of turn it on its side, and as you do, you do hear some. <laughs> there's something um, uh, dense in there, uh, as well as some a couple other things, but you can't really make out. Uh, do we? Is Archie okay? Did we lose him? He seems he's frozen on my end. He looks frozen to me. He's as frozen. Well. well, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and have. Oh, there, uh, go. there we go. Let's go have Lou. Let's have Lewis, Teddy, and Archie give me a sanity roll. Oh, really? We got because as like he is already. Yeah, the name of the game, my man. So as he is struggling, <coughs> the convulsions stop. And you see, oh. 
<laughs> so Teddy, you failed. Uh, it looks like Archie failed, but uh, Lewis, you succeeded. So you see this body begin to lose all life in it, and he is then laying still. And during his convulsions, the 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 beds the bed blanket and his robe have now opened, and you can see the whole of his torso is just covered in this greenish mold that is now you know going down his arms and up his up into his neck, and it goes down underneath where the uh, the blanket stops. You can't really tell how far. Um, so Archie and uh, Teddy, you're going to lose one point of sanity. So you can minus that off your character sheet. Right. Temper uh, permanent. Uh, that's going to be a permanent loss. Permanent. Lose a temporary as well. Yeah. Or would I go into edit Cause, mode cause my, here real quick? Uh, let's see how this looks. In yeah, I think you have to go into edit mode. Okay. So there's a little tab at the top right. Edit mode, and you're going to minus one from your sanity. So. It would go, so in uh, Lewis's case, it's 70 out of 70. I believe the permanent stays. So I, let me rephrase this, uh, Teddy. You're going to lose the number off the left side. So okay. in Lewis's case, he would have 69 out of 70 because you can gain that back. You're, you haven't lost okay. it completely yet. So I went to 43 out of 53. Yeah. So there we are. 45 um, Roy, you don't have to make one yet and, uh, because you, you missed out on this. You're out of the room. Uh, but you do hear uh, more rustling, and then that rustling stop. Doctor is coming in. Uh, Agnes and Bertrand are standing up. Huh, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, Roy quickly comes up to the doctor first. Uh, medical emergency and room. It just gestures with a toothpick. <laughs> that one. Yeah. yeah, that would be 350. Um, uh and he turns to the uh, he turns to the other two, and then gives them like, with his one eye, he gives them the look of like concern. Yeah. So they and all kind of fill in the room. Um, Agnes definitely like weaves her way in uh, and pushes anybody in her way out of the way, and kind of gets into uh, Rupert's face and starts to like kind of shake him awake. Doctor goes around the side. You know, gives the pulse check. Um, well, we knew this time was coming. Uh, he's, he, you could see him just kind of doing damage control at this point. Like, he's pulling up the blanket and kind of closing his robes. Um, if you uh, uh, four gentlemen wouldn't mind uh, maybe stepping out and letting uh, family have a second here, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. And I, I immediately leave the room. <laughs> Roy's still standing outside the door. He's like, he's leaned against the wall like a cool guy with his toothpick, just kind of messing with it. <laughs> All right. Um, Archie, Archie's kind of just freaking out because he had such an abysmal sanity score. He's just, what, what, ha, what, what? And then, you know, he eventually has the sense enough to like leave, but he's definitely like having a moment. Okay. Here. Uh, I'm going to actually reach into my pocket and pull out a card and hand it to whoever's closest between Rupert's son. Uh, it, it would probably be him. Wife. Doc, um, wife is and, like consoling Rupert is down like in, in the mess. Right. Doctor went to the other side. So it would be uh, Bertrand. 
Uh, I'll hand him a card and just say, you know, if there's anything you guys need, please don't hesitate to reach out. But I don't think we're going to be of much further assistance to you here today. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, he kind of snaps it out of your hand a little bit. I think I think we're done here, and he almost like grabs your elbow and is getting ready to usher you out. Um, uh, one one quick second. What's that box there? Uh, that was my father's. You're not taking it, are you? Yes. Um, is that was that his wish? That's what he had us come out of this room for. Part of it. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And he looks at your card again. Okay. And he then begins to continue his uh, ushering you out of the room. I immediately, yeah, turn heel and, and head out. I don't make it difficult or yeah, anything. Yeah, he, he closes the door, door right behind you. And all, all four of you are now out in that hallway again. Oh, <sighs> gentlemen, what the hell was that? Uh, never heard, never seen, never experienced anything like that in my entire life. Um, I, I'm just utter dismay shock i'm still freaking out like how did how 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 did and i just keep going on like that oh, for a second just take 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 him uh, and i can i grab it like how did how did <laughs> well we'll get this all figured out I, I i promise um gentlemen you seem a bit uh more relaxed than than we are um do you know what's going on here well, uh, for starters, that was a friend dying, uh, and no, you don't actually ever get used to it. Um, okay. But the second part, well, I'm afraid I ain't a doctor, but maybe you can ask one of these medical professionals around here. Maybe they'll know something. I'll make sure to do that, because um, yeah, that is that was quite unbelievable. I've, I've seen infections before, but nothing like that i didn't see too much of what happened at the end i i knew something was going wrong but uh i had a well had to get the doctor what happened if uh anybody wants to give me a first aid or a medicine roll you can do that okay and again in call of cthulhu you're trying you have a percentage score you're trying to roll under your percentage uh this will be i'm gonna say this will be a, a hard success so at the top of your character sheet, you'll click the hard tab, uh, and then uh, Did someone already go ahead and roll uh, that. take that or everybody can roll it. Okay, if you'd like, if 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 you have no skill in it, I'd probably say you, you know, yeah. there's really not a reason for you to roll. Wow, but you can. Not great. <laughs> So that's a failure for Teddy, a uh, failure for Lewis. We, we should probably read off the... the uh, yeah, the, yeah. If you guys would, as you roll them. Okay. Lewis had a 68 versus 15. <laughs> I had 82 versus 15 for first aid. Yeah. Uh, it looks like... What did... Uh, uh, where is... Sorry. Archie had a 71 versus 15, and... Did you roll, uh, Roy? Yep. 
Uh, should I roll? Because I no, left you, the room. Yeah, no. Well, you're all outside now in the hallway. Um, oh, you you never saw it, so we'll say no. You don't get to roll. Yeah, yeah none I, of I, you. None of you have ever seen this before. But all three of you that rolled, you can check that box next to uh, uh, whatever you rolled, whether it was uh, first aid or medicine, because uh, you will be able to upgrade those. Uh, possibly upgrade those at the end of the session. That's how leveling works in this in this system. If you fail a roll, you get a check mark next to it, and then at the end of the roll, you get to attempt to uh, make that roll again. And uh, if you fail the roll again, then you get to roll a d10, add those 10 points, up to 10 points to that skill. So no, none of you can really kind of pinpoint what you saw. It's very uh, out of the ordinary, uh, so to say. So you're all standing in this hallway, uh, kind of gathering yourself again. What would you like to do? Uh, can we see what's in that box? Anyone curious to see what's in the box? We can see what's in the box, but we should move out of the hallway, perhaps down to the cafeteria or parking lot, this is probably not the place to open this box. Trust your judgment. I'm just very curious to see what's in that box. Uh, you never mentioned anything about uh, giving me, or giving us, I suppose, any any items. Yeah. So. Well, getting out of here would probably be a best idea. I'd like not to be run over by a stretcher. <laughs> and as you say that, you do see those same two orderlies coming back your way uh empty stretcher this time um and you you can put two and two together and know where they're coming yeah is there sir cafeteria at this hospital uh there or? yeah there is it's you would you would keep heading down the hall and then probably hit the the stairs on the back side of there uh bring you to the back side of the building uh first floor you would know this for uh being kind of a resident here being here before uh there is a cafeteria I'll kind of nod my head in that general direction and say cafeteria is down the stairs and start walking in that direction. How can you eat after that? I'm still frazzled. How can you eat after that? I didn't say anything about eating, but I could go for a cup of coffee and maybe a cigarette and, uh, you know, a little more private place than the middle of the hall to look through whatever this man's last possessions to assist us or as you guys are making that decision doctor pops his head out of the door waves the two orderlies that are coming uh they're yeah they're barreling for you if uh you guys start to head back uh towards the end of that hallway down two flights of stairs uh and you do see um cafeteria it's it's afternoon so it's not packed it's post lunch so uh a couple um janitorial staff kind of cleaning some tables you do see a couple uh doctors sitting together uh drinking some coffee uh hanging out but there are plenty of tables yeah i'll go grab a cup of coffee and yeah. and find yeah. a table a little further away from most folks okay i'll, I'll follow right behind teddy i'm actually thirsty i'll get some tea yeah see. yeah easy enough to do um there is a couple uh Stations set up with uh, some fresh coffee as, you know, they keep everybody well caffeinated here. Uh, and the way money works in here is you just have X amount of dollars that you can spend. And I'm sure a cup of coffee is in the budget of all of us so we don't have to track 
uh, dollars here, we just we just roll with it. If there's a big expenditure, we'll kind of get into the uh, the accounting side of things. But coffee, you're able to do, and you go back, you sit at the table. Uh, yeah, so you're all all four around, uh, kind of steeled steel table. It's got the seats have their they have like that vinyl wrap over uh, this this red and kind of marbled uh, <laughs> underlayment. It looks like linoleum almost. Uh, that you know, if you were wearing shorts or it was a hot day and you get a little sweaty, you would definitely stick to it. Um, you sit down all at this uh, this steel table. Man, you gotta really appreciate hospitals. They go out of their way to make sure that the last place you ever see is the most uncomfortable <laughs> place too. I say, like, uh, sitting in one of these steel chairs, like. I I, I agree. Uh, could, could we just see what's in the box? <laughs> so I'm gonna set the box down and pick up my cup of coffee with one hand, and take a drink of coffee as I open the box with the other hand. Very much <laughs> like this is not out of the ordinary. Okay. Yeah. The the metal tin box sits on the 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 tin uh, table with a clang. Kind of, uh, you know, drawing the eyes of some of the, uh, the other people there as it is post-lunch, kind of quiet in here. But they go right back to, uh, you know, their conversations and their coffee. As you set this down, you do see uh, there are some things in here, obviously. Um, it opens with a um, almost like a waft of dust, like this hasn't been opened in a while, in a few years for sure. You see um, uh, a rolled up piece with a, that is tied with a piece of twine and a key is uh, tied to it. You see another, uh, what looks like a letter in an envelope. There is something in there that catches your eye, and that is the uh, a sarcophagus-shaped box, probably you know a foot long by uh, four inches wide. And then the last thing you see is a very slim journal in this box. Well, gentlemen, see the uh, journal. Yeah, seem I, to be the professionals. Uh, do, do you have any idea where to start? Uh, I'd like to open the letter. It seems like the right thing to, to open. Maybe that was meant for us to read after his death. I'll hand the letter over to, to Lewis. And I'll, I'll hand the journal over to Archie. Um, and I will open the rolled up twine with the key okay um and i'm gonna eye the the sarcophagus shaped box and then just leave it in the metal box for the time being <laughs> oh man uh you do see it does have it does have some uh some glyph carvings in it it's very ornate uh goldish in color and you you do leave that in there so everybody has their their trinket from the box and this is where we are going to pause for tonight uh, as we've gotten through the intro to uh, Edge of Darkness. You've gotten your, your task. You've gotten some of the tools that you may need to complete that task. But that is where we are going to pause as we don't want to get too deep uh, as this is a session zero. But we did learn a lot about our uh, investigators tonight. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, some people are losing their shit already, uh, and <laughs> that's with one sanity point. I love it. Uh, that, that is a good way to play Call of Cthulhu, I think. Um, so with that, we are going to go through the, the 
the bookend of our housekeeping. Uh, this is Featherfall Tabletop. Thank you for hanging out with us uh, for our new uh, campaign that will be happening, and that is Call of Cthulhu Beneath the Umbral Veil. Uh, like I said, we are starting with Edge of Darkness, moving into uh, Homebrew. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with us. If you haven't hit that follow button, please do so. Um, let us uh, know your. Let us let you know when we go live again. Um, as uh, we are quite often, I will share that schedule one more time. You can. We are taking a little time off. You'll see us uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday will be the next time we stream. That'll be our Wild Mount uh, homebrew game, D and D five E. Obviously, uh, you can catch us. After that, we're back on schedule. We've got a couple of people taking vacations. But uh, after that, we'll be back on schedule that you see on the screen. Thank you, everybody, um, that, um, the investigators tonight. We'll, move, we'll go around the horn one more time. Uh, we'll, we'll go reverse order. We'll start with uh, a typo as Corduroy. Tell us who you are, where they can find you, uh, what you got going, any, anything cool. Hello, everybody. I'm Typo. Uh, you can find me on Featherfold Tabletop and Polished Cryptid. I was playing... Corduroy, and I'm just happy as a pig in slop today. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's great. Uh, and then we'll go to uh, Kirk as uh, Lewis Holloway. Hey, yep. You can find me over on Twitter at WeSuckPod. Uh, I'm the DM <laughs> for the WeSuck D&D podcast. So, yeah, come check us out over there and take a listen. Uh, yeah, check them out. They're, uh, they're doing great things over there. Uh, you guys met a, a Twitter goal the other day, right? I had a giveaway going? yeah. 500 followers we do have a giveaway going right now it's a uh, mimic dice box so you can store all your dice in there all right so go check them out that's at we suck pod <laughs> all right i feel a little dirty but not that much <laughs> moving over to uh jason as teddy mills go ahead so yeah uh i'm teddy i'm uh at flesh smith on twitter but there's probably not a whole lot of reason to follow <laughs> me unless you want featherfall updates when i remember to tweet that we're streaming uh, but find me on Discord. I'm happy to talk and chat there. Awesome. Uh, that leaves us, last but not least, uh, that would be Brandon as Archie uh, Lovewell. Hey, hey. Uh, at the underscore Sherrard. That's S-H-E-R-R-A-R-D on Twitter. Um, I retweet a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> if you're of the Instagramming variety, you could find me, right? Uh, you can find me at Readings Dudes, all one word on Instagram, if, if that's a platform that you frequent. Awesome. Thank so, you. There you go. Thank you, Brandon. Um, I'm Chris. Uh, you, I'm Two Socks 5 on Twitter. Again, I only tweet and retweet about Featherfall stuff. Uh, if you want to hang out with me on a more regular basis, that's weird to say. But check out the Discord down below. Uh, that'll get you access to any of our community one-shots that are coming up, anything uh, uh, new campaigns that may be rolling out, and just in the general uh, buffoonery that takes place uh, down there. We'd love to have you in there. Um, again, last plug for hit that follow button if you haven't done so. We want to get that, uh, that 1,000 followers here real quick. But thank you so much, uh, everybody. Thank you for uh, hanging out. And with that, I think I, think I have an end screen. I'm going to go to that. I'm going to mute our mics. Uh, have a good night. Have a good Tuesday. We'll see you uh, when we see you again. Uh, stay safe. Have fun. All the good stuff. Hi, Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> That's it. I was going to say political rant over. It shouldn't be a political rant. It's just a way of life. But do it. All right. We love you. We'll see you.